Hi, everybody. Welcome to Remix. We got a new episode for you. I'm your host, Jack Gillespie, and I have two wonderful guests with me today. Would they like to introduce themselves? Yes, I am Tanner Kinney, Senior Reviews Editor, host of Input 2, and uh, Boomer. (laughs) Resident Vite Boomer. (laughs) All right, we got Boomer representation up in here, folks. And who are you? I am Catherine Simone, Features Associate professional zoomer and uh i know things about music i guess yeah the two zoomers and then me so i i imagine like halfway through this podcast i'm just gonna be in the corner crying while you two <laughs> Fortnite dance yeah. uh, i'll just be like horribly confused that's just yeah. how every episode of remix goes if you didn't know but as we usually do how about we start off for what y'all have been listening to recently uh not much um Whenever, because you know, I really only listen to music while I'm gaming, and you know, get that tip. I last time I said I only listen to lo-fi hip hop 24/7 chill beats to relax. Study too, still true. Uh, I still listen to a lot of lo-fi mixes, but in terms of actual albums, uh, I've been on a Daft Punk kick recently. Uh, I'm a big fan of Daft Punk. Same. And uh, which is relevant because I'm gonna be talking about one of the songs on Discovery later. Uh, so yeah, I I'm a big fan of Daft Punk. Discovery is so, such a good such a good album. Which is the best Daft Punk album, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. I would say that. Right answer. I do like random uh random access memories. Same. Uh, it's got some good songs, but the best song on random access memories is the remix of doing uh redoing it redoing. Do, doing it doing right. it right yeah the remix of re- of doing it right redoing with hhh greg uh oh my. That, that's the best version of, i was generally wondering right i was generally wondering wait when did they record a re- an official remix no it was it's something some but yeah I, internet I the did. hhh greg version of that which I, is the best song i did see that and uh, i'm very glad that we have brought this to our audience yeah but no, i've been listening to that's basically what i've been listening to recently yeah what about you Catherine? oh that's an interesting question because like i really do not listen to like a lot of like albums i just like put on whatever but like after the announcement that my chemical romance is getting back together and doing a tour i just i was i've just been on like a big like emo kick recently just listening to all their albums dope so like uh three cheers and like, yeah, black three parade cheers, black parade danger days all those yeah. yeah, I have not gotten the chance to dive into a full My Chemical Romance album. Lynch me for saying that, or just like end me for saying that. Right. Um, but I have listened to like their biggest songs, and like I definitely need to check it out. At yeah, some point. They, they do some good music, and I'm going to be talking about one of their songs later when we get into the main subject of this podcast. That is great to hear that y'all are prepared for our topic. Now, me personally, I have um, I have some albums I just like usually listen to on the reg. But as new stuff that I've been listening to, um, I listened to this new song from the artist Christine and the Queens called "People I've Been Sad," which is mood. <laughs> but honestly, it isn't too sad of a sounding song. It's like it's like this '80s throwback power ballad that like. But like modernized, and I just really love it. They're also a French artist, and like French makes it like oh, even more romantic and also sad, <laughs> which are the only two moods that we are experiencing today, on the Sonic movie premiere day. <laughs> Nothing else is happening today. Nope. But also, as a Zoomer, I have been listening to a lot of Ash Nico. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a yes, lot of her my songs. My favorite artist that I know who that is. Because a lot of her songs have been very popular, mostly due to TikTok. <laughs> Yay. But I generally find songs like Stupid and um, Hi It's Me to be 
super catchy, super um, visceral, and just super fun. I think she's a really good um, personality on the mic, and I'd be interested to see what she does in the future as she tries to go for more, like, edgy, like, like moody and edgy, not, like, hardcore and edgy, which is sort of where she's at right now. But I would be interested to see how she does on a whole studio album. Really, she's just released, like, EPs for right now. So now that we've gone over that, let's go into the news. And this one is definitely thrilling. It, there's oh, a lot to oh. it. <laughs> there, there's a lot to unpack here, yes. let me tell you. So at the NME Awards, which is just basically like a music awards for the publication NME, rapper Slowtie was being awarded with Hero of the Year. And during his acceptance slash the whole bit where he was given that award, he was making some rather inappropriate comments and began to invade the personal bubble of a comedian and also a host of the show, Catherine Ryan. Um, how many of y'all have seen the video? Just now. Yes. What are your initial thoughts on the video? Uh, I Earlier today, I, I said that I, I, I listened to one of the new albums we'll be talking about, and I said I aged a year. Uh, I aged another year watching those videos. <laughs> I have birthday. no clue. Happy birthday to me. Uh, I have no clue what I was looking at. I, I don't know why this man was so close to people. He just he kept getting in people's personal space. Like, I don't know what's wrong with him. Clearly, he was probably drinking. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people have assumed that he was a bit off his rocker. There is a yeah. uh, there is definitely alcohol involved for several people in this in these videos. Yeah, uh, and then the so a lot of people were definitely like, "Hey, what is up with this slow tie? What's up with you, man?" And like, there was a second video release that had a bit more context, like it. There seemed to be a bit more of like a comedic tone to everything going on, but still, even like with that context of the video, it still looks very bad. While granted, both like all parties aren't really the most innocent, Soltice definitely still does not come across as good yeah. in this situation. And it is further worsened because later in the show, while audience members were sort of being like, hey, throwing insults and stuff at him, like a reportedly misogynist being one of them, which after that showing, I, I can't really blame them too much. An altercation started where microphones, drinking glasses, food were thrown. There's like a powder or like a dust or something. I think that just might've been popcorn and just like the kernels and just like the dust of popcorn was sure, that it? popcorn. I don't know. There was yeah. just a dust in the air, yeah. microphones were thrown. Magic dust. <laughs> <laughs> Pocket sand. Yes. Pocket sand. <laughs> yes. For all your for all... Safe, for safety purposes. Yes. But yeah, and eventually Slow Tie jumped down into the crowd and decided to get physical with the heckler. Um, and that clip was also equally wow. Yeah. Oh, that's really all you can describe yeah, it he, with. He threw down. He yeah. was ready to throw down. I had mad respect. And speaking of throwing down, he was eventually thrown out of the NME Awards for his display. And since then, some responses have been put out by both Catherine Ryan, the original host who was the subject or subjected to Slow Tie's rather despicable dismay display. And um, her response was actually pretty interesting. He said... Um, she was responding to um, a Twitter post that said, Also, Catherine Ryan using sarcasm to mask her discomfort doesn't excuse what Slow Tie did. She responded, He didn't make me uncomfortable. This is why we need women in positions of power. I knew he had lost from the moment he opened his mouth like any heckler coming up against a comic. Not a woman, a comic. I was operating 2 out of 10. What a sweet boy. I diffused it. Tonight was fun. Now, me personally, like, well, I do respect her for coming at it from, like, 
that's not the worst way to tackle it. It's still definitely interesting response. Yeah. What do y'all think of that response? It seems like she just wants to de-escalate it. Yeah. Yeah. This is de-escalation. Yeah, but... And I understand why, as a professional, you wouldn't want to be like, yeah, this dude was getting a little... He was getting a little... Uh, having a little fun. He was having a yeah. little too much fun. <laughs> because, you know, those there are a lot of professional relationships, a lot of... Being an an indus in the industry, as they say, is walking on eggshells and trying not to piss the right people off, uh, or I guess the wrong people off. But either way, uh, it seems a little. She there there were things that were very clearly happening, and she was like, "No, nah, it's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. This is fine." And yes. it sort of reads that like this sort of response sort of reads into her like as a brand as a comedian. Like I feel like she's definitely trying to play this off as like something that she could make off well, um, in her own sort of way. Um, but yeah, and also eventually, Slow Tide did also respond on Twitter in a different tone. So he said at NME. Please forward my award to just Catherine Ryan's um, Twitter at, for she is the hero of the year. What started as a joke between us escalated to a point of shameful actions on my part. I was undeservedly, I want to unreservedly apologize. There is no excuse and I am sorry. I am not a hero. Catherine, you are a master at your craft and next time I'll take my seat and leave the comedy to you. To any woman or man who saw a reflection of situations they've been in in those videos, I am sorry. I promise to be that better. Let's talk here. I don't understand what the last sentence was really doing. I think it's just being like, let's have a conversation. But I'm underwhelmed by the apology. It definitely sounded like he was like... I feel like something like that, you can't just be like, I'm sorry, we escalated a joke. Like, it doesn't really address the throwing of mics and drinking glasses and fighting. Yeah. But yeah. That was pretty yikes. Yeah, just based on the general conversation I've seen over the situation, it doesn't seem like Slotai is getting anybody on his side with his apology or (laughs) any of this. And this is especially interesting case because Slotai is actually an artist known for his rebellious antics and attitudes as well as a conscious progressive message in his music. So do you think that this display and his sort of reputation as an artist will affect how his image will be impacted by this? I mean, clearly it's going to hurt his image. Yeah. yeah. Like, these sorts of these sorts of things, uh, they stick around at least for a little while. Well, well he's probably going to be fine in the long run. Uh, for the next, like, month or so, you know, it's still going to be, like, a constant talking point. Whenever he makes any Twitter posts, one, the top reply will likely be a clip of the video or a joke at his expense because that's what happens when you make make a big oopsie live yeah. uh, and yeah. or like a K- k-pop band camp being like you're canceled yeah you're, you're you can't... to see a luna performing under you yeah and luna <laughs> the k- k-pop fans will be relentless yeah. uh but honestly like it'll hurt for a little bit but you know the lifetime of a tweet is three seconds yeah. Uh, or however long the video was, like two minutes. Yeah. Uh, by the end of the day, I'll have forgotten everything about this. Yeah. So, <laughs> in, I unless you're like deeply entrenched in the scene, it's just gonna go away. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's 
a big couple layers that might make this an interesting situation one slow tight like his debut album just got released last year so he's sort of like a fresh face so he doesn't really have like the industry sort of like presence where like he is unshakable as an artist so i think that could definitely make his position more volatile and also i think i do personally think it may be um just my own personal thing but i have seen a couple years ago, there was a punk group called Power Bottom that was, like, an LGBTQ punk band. And, like, days before, like, the day before their big um, breakthrough album was about to be released, um, it came out that there were accusations of sexual assault on the front man, front person's um, part. And I have never seen an artist be deplatformed so thoroughly, so succinctly. Like, their music was taken off Spotify, they were dropped from their label, like, venues kept canceling, 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 and, like, I had never seen such a swift, um, I guess, canceling of a group, and I think a big part of that was that they were being hailed as, like, really important artists in the LGBTQ community, which has um, had more experience, more um, vulnerable to um, things like sexual assault. So it was especially um, hurtful for this, especially like their audience. So I think that enhanced how quickly and how thoroughly they were able to be like dropped. Yeah. And I think something similar to this could happen because this is definitely not the sort of action you'd expect from an artist who hails themselves as like progressive and like political. So I think something similar could happen there. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. But it is definitely a showcase that I hope people will remember when they think about slow tie i don't want this just to be like put under the rug no of course this is this is a terrible thing it's an embarrassing display the nature of the internet it'll yeah people will just like forget about it in like a month yeah me being john cynic over here cynical boomer i've seen this so many times yes he'll he'll be fine yeah it's like i personally i think he'll be fine yeah it's like the thing like, I've seen this happen all the time with, like, internet celebrities and stuff. It's just, like, canceling never really, like, lasts and um, it's, like, a really, like, specific situation. But, like, yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, in slightly better news, um, the 1975's lead man, Matt Healy, says the band will only perform in gender-balanced music festivals. In an interview with The Guardian, where music journalist Laura Snapes asked Healy if he ever thought of to, quote, add a condition to your writer that says you'll only play festivals that commit to X percent, ideally 50 percent, acts that include women and non-binary performers, Healy responded saying, take this as me signing this contract. I have agreed to some festivals already that may not adhere to this, and I would never let fans down who already have tickets. But from now on, I will and believe this is how male artists can be true allies. Now, this is um, definitely something I believe Matt Healy would say. He is an interesting um, figure who he has in the previous had a lot of big talk about social political issues, like both in his music and his interviews. I've seen him always try to say that he's trying his best to be like forward thinking and stuff like that. Um, But he has had some slip ups in that time when the Brexit vote was coming around in Britain. Him and the band were quite silent, which was shocking to a lot of their fans and stuff, especially since Brexit was 
It was kind of a big deal. Yeah, Did yeah. You, Bre- Brexit's a little have bit y'all of a... heard of Brexit? Uh, yeah, uh, you know it's that that thing. I think yeah. I think it's, it's when it's they did, they didn't put all the Pokemon in. I think that's what that was. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That sounds like it. Yeah. But yeah, they were like dead silent, and everyone's like, "Hey, if y'all want to be so political, why are you shutting up about one of the biggest political things in Britain?" Wow, this this news has been very Britain today. But <laughs> yes. The Brits would be going wild. Yeah, yeah. Brits are unhinged. Yeah, Britain is Britain, much like how Brexit is Brexit. And yes. That that what does it mean? Brexit. Ah. They're going wacky, love. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Hele has also not been a stranger to controversy. There was a time where he claimed that misogyny was no longer present in rock, but was in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, he did eventually pedal back that statement, but. Even the pedaling back wasn't the strongest sort of statement. And then when he was doing a concert in Dubai, he kissed a male fan at a concert. Um, Dubai is known for their anti-LGBTQ laws where I believe if you're found with doing same-sex relations, you can be punished from 10 years to prison to death. Um, And a lot of people found issue with um, Healy um, kissing the fan because they believe that it would have a lot of... um, trying to think of the word percussions i guess for the male fan um and it really risked his life honestly yeah so a lot of people found issue with that um so what do y'all think of the possibility of the 1975 a very big rock music group actually being able to pull this off um i think they can yeah Uh, they've got a lot of pull right now so if you're having an event, you're going to want them as a major a major marketing thing. You're going to want to draw people in with the 1975. And if they aren't going to play at your concert because you only want to focus on a lot of male artists and then some female artists, whatever, you know, just to, you know, tick those boxes off for the for people uh that then you're going to lose that. You're going to lose the 1975. And that's bad for business. Uh, by hurting the bottom line of businesses, that's how you get them to care about anything you're trying to do. So I think it's a smart move from him, yeah. and I hope that it makes an impact because I'm not familiar with the music scene, but I do know that they're, from what I know about certain events, very male-dominated in terms of uh, groups headlining events. Yeah, and it's especially for rock music because, like, while there is definitely a wave of like female fronted rock bands and female rock groups like coming more and more prevalent, it is still very much a meat genre, a very meaty genre. Yeah. Meat um, and potatoes. <laughs> yep, we can say that's what I meant by that, but. <laughs> um, but it would be interesting to see if this does have an effect. My one worry is that possibly like the. It's so ruthless that, like, if they say, like, oh, whatever, we won't do it, that possibly, like, huge, like, music events like like a Coachella or, like, a um, reading festival over at the UK. Sorry if I mispronounced that. All, all these UK words that, like, I see them, I think, like, oh, they're easy to pronounce. It's just, like, <laughs> actually, it's this. I'm just, like, shut up. Shut up, imperialists. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah wait, that's hypocritical. <laughs> uh, that's true. Anyway, as I was saying, I'm worried that, like, the bottom line, that, like, these huge music genre venues, if, like, they hear the 1960s, it's like, oh, we aren't going to perform, they could just be like, okay, whatever, and they just get an equally big one, and it won't have an effect. But I, I personally think that it, I, I believe it will have some effect, at least yeah. at some point, if they do keep their word. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's going to be the main point. Like, if they can say this all they want, but when the money comes in, will they stick by their morals? Will they stick by their principles? Yeah. We can only hope so. In his quote, he said it was signing the contract, but I don't know if he actually did sign a contract. Yeah. I outlawed the court over Come this. Come on, John 1975. Show us the paperwork. We outlawed you, Matt Healy. You did not sign a contract yet, but we will be approaching you with the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sue him for a trillion dollars. We're going to tell you. Fly all the way to the UK <laughs> yes. to hit you up. Yes. Now that we got that news out of the way, we have some new releases. Um, we got some pretty big releases. And a very notable one that one of our guests I've heard has a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. We have the new Justin Bieber album, Changes, also known as the Yummy album with the song Yummy. Have yes. y'all heard that song Yummy? Uh, unfortunately. Yummy more like yucky, am I right, gamers? <laughs> that is music journalism at its finest, Catherine. Yeah, that that's that's how you make good that's how you that's you write for pitchfork at that point. You know? <laughs> yes. That's so Tanner. All right. I you have listened to the album, correct? Yes. I, and you have thoughts about it, correct? Yes. Uh, in the hour before the show, while I was doing some other work, I was like, "Well, I've got time. I'll listen to this whole Justin Bieber album." <laughs> and I have a scale here. Uh, I drew a diagram, but I'm going to describe it to you. So imagine a dial, right? Like a like a meter, like a speedometer. Like Let's go with that. Hmm. Like, like yeah, speedometer. You know, uh, at at the one end, at the low end, we have healthy, and as you go up, we have queasy, <laughs> sick. Acid reflux and vomtown, <laughs> vomtown being the highest of uh, of sick. This is the sickometer. Uh, it's how you measure Justin Bieber songs, <laughs> because quite frankly, most of these songs made me slightly ill listening to them. Uh, so, I, I I took some notes on them. For the most part, I will say I was surprised at how tolerable some of these songs were. Cause like I'm a boomer, okay. <laughs> I I listen if I listen to like any popular music, it's from the '80s or earlier. I listen to Genesis, okay. Yeah. I love me some Genesis. I love the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the Bible, yes. Uh, other than that, no. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of pop music, so going into this, I had no expectations, and I was thoroughly let down. Uh. Some some big losers on the on this album. I'm going to just go through them because the more more important ones. Uh, the song called "Come Around Me." <laughs> okay, we need to need to let you know it is spelled C O M E C O M E around me. Uh, is the le- except you know it's a double entendre. Mm-hmm. Oh, just Justin's getting <laughs> pretty yummy. Like, ju- ju- yeah, <laughs> Justin Bieber is so clever. I skipped this one halfway through. It was <laughs> sickening. Like this was full bomb town. Uh, Intentions featuring Quavo. Uh, I had that in the range of sick to acid reflux. It was it was fine. You know, it was a little <laughs> sickening. The point where it's fine is on the sickness acid reflux. <laughs> That's not a good sign, y'all. Uh, yummy, of course, is beyond Vomtown. It's like, I, I want to ask this. What is the purpose of making the worst song on the album the single? I... This it is the worst song on the album. Not entirely. Some of them are lyrically worse. Uh, yummy is pretty lyrically bl- worse than yummy. <laughs> yummy is pretty. Where the chorus goes, you got that yummy, yummy, Look. that yummy, yummy, that yummy, yum, that yum. <laughs> Ly- lyrically, it's not complex, but it's also not offensive entirely. 
Oh, there is a song that has quite possibly one of the worst lines on the whole album. We'll get to that. But <laughs> Yummy is disgusting. It's not a great song at all. It and- made me ill. Of course, we have Running Over featuring Little Dicky. Uh... I just I didn't even listen to that one. I skipped it. Good I know you. it's bad. <laughs> it's got little Dicky. We are we at by do have qualms with little Dicky. I Dickie. have qualms with little Dicky. Absolutely. <laughs> uh there was a song that I think was about Justin Bieber uh, promoting domestic abuse on himself. What? Called Take It Out on Me. What? Uh I was very confused. That was acid reflux. Now I am I have not listened to the song, but I think that might be re- referring to Sex. No, I'm no. Pro- you said a bad word. Go go to the timeout court. S asterisks. It's not. Right. It's, oh, not. it's not. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. It was very much about like you can you can tell me everything you need to do. You can rant at me. Uh, you can take all of your anger out on me, and like I'm like, is this just what are you saying, Justin? Um, yeah, you know, I I have several questions, yeah. and I need to know if you need a therapist. Okay, I stand corrected. Yeah, yeah it's uh. Very fascinating. Uh, next on the list of pathetic, we have ETA, which is just like lame, cause cause the whole theme of it is give me an ETA of when you're gonna be here, girl. <laughs> uh, so that was acid like, reflux. Little do you know that's actually about his Uber Eats. <laughs> it's his Uber Eats. Could be, could be. If if YouTubers still made parody music videos, I could definitely see that being a Bart Baker classic. Yes. Could be, could be. Uh, the song called "Changes." I wrote down the line: yeah. "I'm going through changes. Don't mean I don't. Don't mean I change." Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, uh, that's no a da- that's a gal- ain't no David Bowie. That's for sure. <laughs> he ain't no David Bowie. Yeah. So, uh, well, I cut out like a line that was just uh, unnecessary, but essentially, it's "I'm going through changes. Don't mean I change." That made me sick. Uh, <laughs> and then. The worst, the worst line the whole album has is in uh, That's What Love Is, where he says, and this is a line from the song, you can trust me even after all the lies I told you. I don't... That's what love is. <laughs> I don't think that's how love, lies, trust, or is, is. The concept of is, of being, I don't think that's what that is. <laughs> Like when I was thinking of the worst things on this album, like I, I don't know if you saw, I, I heard that line. I had to listen to it again because I was in disbelief at how terrible it was. I think I did hear you let out a very big laugh. So I was like, "Is Tanner listening to the Justin Bieber album? Did he really dedicate himself to listening to the Justin Bieber album?" Yes. And I was like, "Yes, he did." That was Bomb Town. Uh, that was pure Bomb Town. Like that one line almost makes it worse than Yummy, but Yummy is so intolerable <laughs> that it, it gets the crown. Uh, and then the last song is fine. But overall, it's not good. I did not enjoy my experience, and I will not be listening to it again. Okay. Out of 10, rank the yumminess of the album. <laughs> I, give it a, I give it an acid reflux out of 10. But that isn't on the yummy scale. How, 1 out of 10, how yummy is it? <laughs> 1 out of 10. How, oh, man. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like dry celery. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. How is that possible? It's like I don't know. It's it's like a ima- imagine like cr- crinkly like wrinkled lettuce like that you, you in the back of the cover that you're like I probably shouldn't put this on my BLT chicken sandwich, but I'm gonna do it anyways. That's the level of yummy this album is. 
It turns a BLT into an IBS. Yeah. <laughs> and that is not We have healthy. highbrow humor <laughs> no. here. So, as this episode, which was mainly about to be Valentine's, has turned to a Justin Bieber episode, we will go on to the other new releases. We have the um, Tame Impala. They released their fourth album, The Slow Rush. Um, it's their fourth album in their first in five years since Currents. It's like their first album. I feel like Currents was like a huge breakthrough song for them. Like everyone, even though it never hit the Hot 100, everyone's heard that one song, The Lesson of the Better, the one with like that bass line. Yeah. Yeah. It is still astounds me how that song didn't even like at some point get like even like 98, 99. No, it never appeared, but it was just like consistently heard. Yeah. I'm a basic, I'm a basic person. I like Tame Impala. Yeah. I'm excited to listen to this. I do for the most part. Yeah. I think their second album is really good. Though that is very much the indie kids' choice for the favorite Tame Impala album. So maybe I'm not as contrarian as I like to say. I'd have to look it up because I've listened. I listened to. I've listened to all their albums. I just which one? Which one is it? I think it's called Inner Speaker. That may be wrong. That might be their first album. Okay. Well, you keep going while I look this up. But yeah. Um, also released is the album by the band Tennis with the album Swimmer. I find that very cute. Yes. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. Is this, all the songs are called like football, basketball, good. racquetball, curling. Finally, some good food. <laughs> but yeah, this is their fifth album, and it's an actually pretty special album for their discography because a lot of their singles have been getting a lot of hype. I listened to them, and they are definitely worth it. And it's being seen as some of the band's best work. And I, this isn't really related to the album, but I would suggest looking up the band because they look like they were ripped straight out of the seventies. Like they were both. Oh, thank God, Caucasian. Yeah. But the lady, <laughs> she has like the most seventies like white woman afro ever, and I love it so much. And like the guy, I, I don't know if he still has it, but he has like this like at one point he had this like long, just like dirty beach blonde hair. And it was just like, man, I'm really glad that they finally invented time travel and they brought tennis back from 1977. Yes. <laughs> finally. But yes, I definitely want to give that one a check out real soon. And it's only 31 minutes, so it's not too much of a dedication of time for y'all who want to check it out. Um, this isn't a new album, but King Princess, they released a deluxe version of their debut album, Cheap Queen. It's got five new tracks. And so, yeah, if you're a fan of King Princess, I'd make sure to keep your ear out for that. I know the, Bailey was excited for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bailey's probably losing it. Yeah. I listened to a little bit of that album before, and then I'm a fan. I like it. I like that kind of, like, indie sort of sounding music because I am a nerd. TM. <laughs> TM. Nerd TM. Yes. But, yeah, I definitely give it a listen to it. And it's definitely, I think it's something that a lot of people can really enjoy, especially the gays out there. Yeah. Shout out to the gays. The day, the actually the deluxe version may had like a new version of the album cover and while I really do love the original album cover. I think the new one is definitely really fun too. It gives off sort of like a Rocky Horror sort of vibe to it. Yeah. And we got one more album um, from the band Beach Bunny. The album Honeymoon. It's like a they're like a quaint little like indie rock power pop um, group from Chicago. And this one's only like twenty five minutes and like. I really loved it. I listened to this just, like, when I first heard it, and I just, like, I'd recommend it to, like, anyone. It's, like, really accessible for, like, an indie rock album, and I just recommend to give it a listen. It's only 25 minutes. Yeah. And for singles, we have The Name on Everybody's Lips. 
Um, we got Billie Eilish, who is doing the Bond theme, No Time to Die, and I actually gave this one a listen. And uh, let me just say, when it was first announced that Billie was doing the Bond theme, everyone's like, what? That doesn't make sense. That won't make sense. It won't happen. I, from the very start, make in mind, I am Jack Gillespie, Billie Eilish apologist. <laughs> I believed from the beginning that she would do really good as a Bond-themed singer because she has this super moody, sort of dark sort of tone to yeah. her voice and her music. And I feel like that's where a lot of the Bond themes have been going. Like, the previous ones have been, like, Adele, Sam Smith. They do, like, a lot of these, like, moody, soulful ballads. Yeah, and while Billy isn't as soulful, she still carries that. And I was right, everybody. She Yay. did really good. You did it. And it definitely sounds like a Bond theme. It isn't like they did, she didn't bad guy, but <laughs> Bond. I, wait, I'm the Bond guy. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that, and Ugh. now I wish I didn't. Happy birthday. Age is another year after that one. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to kill Tanner of old age before this podcast is done. He's not going to be a boomer anymore. <laughs> What's wait? What's even before Boomer? Wow. The Silent Generation. So we're gonna silence. At one point, you we won't hear from Tanner because he will be a Silent Generation. Yeah. AKA dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Billie Eilish. She did good with the Bond theme. It was an acceptable Bond theme, and she uh, at the end she did a really cool vocal thing. She showed off vocals. She showed off chops. Yay. So good for her. Imagine vocals. <laughs> Imagine. But I do hope that she doesn't get to the point where she's overexposed because in the past month, she swept at the Grammys, she performed at the Oscars, and now she has the Bond theme. I hope she doesn't get to the point where she's being overexposed and everybody hates her suddenly. Yeah. Because she already does have a lot of people that are hating her and, for the most part, unjustified. Yeah, like 25-year-old boomers. Yeah, she did that. She did have that one moment where she was, like, made a comment on hip-hop where she probably shouldn't have. But other than that, she... Really doesn't deserve a lot of the hate that she gets, and a lot of she's it... also literally eighteen. Yeah, she's literally yeah. eighteen. <laughs> she's literally eighteen years yeah. old. Give her a break. <laughs> she doesn't even pay her own taxes yet, though. I may not know that. Maybe she does pay her own taxes. Who pays taxes anymore? I do. <laughs> this is Yoshi doesn't. Yoshi doesn't. <laughs> that was that was a bit of a gamer humor for all my <laughs> gamers <laughs> out there. Ooh, ha ha. ha. <laughs> But anyway, going to a couple more singles, we got Sam Smith. They have um, a single that came with the announcement of their third album, To Die For, which album will be released May 1st. The song is also called To Die For, and I was surprised that this song is very much sort of like the ballads that they do a lot of, which I was surprised by because a lot of the recent stuff has been like dance, pop, synth pop, and they seem to be advertising this album is like a dancey album so i was surprised that the first single or i guess it won't be the first or who knows but it's weird that they decided to go for ballad for the this single but i am excited to see what they do for this album considering they're advertising being a new direction and one last um single before we get to our main discussion the strokes indie rock outfit the strokes have a new song called at the door it's the first single for their new album the new abnormal coming april 10th their first album in seven years (laughs) they did have like an ep um released in like 2016 but even then that's four years i'm feeling old (laughs) even though i'm 
I, I do not have the right to say I'm feeling old. I am still baby. Yeah. But yeah, this one's like synth heavy. And another interesting thing about it was that it was debuted at a benefit concert for Bernie Sanders. Let's go. Yeah. The concert where this was, this clip was going around a lot, at least for me, where the last song they performed was a song that is infamous in their catalog called New York City Cops. And let's just say it's not a Blue Lives Matter sort of song. It, it says some... Critical things of cops. Yeah. Wow, really? Strokes did wow. not go all Blue Lives Matter at a Bernie Sanders rally. <laughs> yeah. But during the performance of that song, like the whole front row of the stage came on the stage and just like danced, like did like I don't know if a whole mosh pit, but like they definitely did go wacko yeah. on the stage to the security's dismay, which I found to be quite enjoyably ironic for a song called New York City Cops. Yeah. But yeah, the Strokes are back. Indie kids stand up. And I'm really excited to see where they go because, like, it's completely left field compared to the other stuff that they have made in the past, at least under the Strokes name. So those have been our new releases. And now we have reached our main discussion because in addition to being Sonic Movie Release Date Day, yeah, it is also yeah. Valentine's Day. Valentine's, By pure coincidence. Yeah. By pure coincidence. <laughs> Um, so we decided in celebration, even though this won't be released on Valentine's Day, but whatever, um, we decided to talk about love songs, anti-love songs, songs about the concept of love. Now, while this definitely is not a rare thing to sing about, it's probably the most common thing to sing about, yep. I think that a love song that tackles it from a unique direction will is definitely something that still catch my attention and will usually catch the attention of it anybody hopefully so we decided we are going to talk about our favorite love songs anti-love songs albums music things on remix the music podcast now do any of you want to go first on a special song you want to talk about if you're ready Catherine, Uh, Uh, i've got some stuff i want to think about first okay sure so as I foreshadowed earlier, the song I want to talk about is "I Don't Love You" by My Chemical Romance. Basically, the song is about a break. It's a breakup song. Basically, within the context of this is a song on the album "The Black Parade," and within like basically the whole story of the album is that it's about a a guy who is diagnosed with cancer, and he's basically just reflecting back on his life, thinking about all of, like how he how he messed up, you know? Yeah. So basically, the context of this song is that he's trying to, like, move past his girlfriend, like, trying to break up with her before he dies. And it's a very tragic song. Basically, it it really captures, like, that feeling of having to let go, having to let go of someone and trying to, like, convince yourself that you're past past them. And, like, yeah, like, as a whole, like, that album is very, like, it kind of takes, like, a kind of cynical kind of look on his situation because he's not like yeah I just need I don't know I'm just kind of having a hard time articulating this no it's all good yeah. but yeah that, that's definitely a interesting position because like not only is like in the context of like a whole concept album but like yeah. what I gather from that is that it's it's sort of like it's a breakup song but not like in the way we're just like haha I broke up with you gotcha yeah it's more like a necessary parting which yeah, I think yeah it's very like heartbreaking and very like yeah it's just not like a good situation at all yeah it's done <laughs> yeah. yeah it definitely is, does not sound like a chip like a cheery one for Valentine's Day but yeah when we, we are talking about anti-love songs we're like not I wouldn't even say that's more anti like a breakup song but more like a different angle on it yeah 
Um, I can go as well. I think one song that I'd like to mention, this is very much of the love song variety. It's by this artist called Kishibashi. Um, and oh, yeah, I know them. Oh, they are amazing. Let me just say their album Light is one of my favorites of all time. And actually, this song comes from that one, though they have a bunch of songs that could go for this. They have like a bunch of just like love sick songs, which I very much love about that. Um, but the song I want to talk about is uh, Q&A. It's um, on the album Light. It's a super energetic, maximalist, just like over the top indie pop record. But this song is just a wonderful departure from that because it's just like a nice little I think it's I forget I don't think it's ukulele but like it is still just like an acoustic track where it's just like it's just so cute like it turned me straight <laughs> I'm ki- I'm kidding but I think definitely think it's a very cute song that um I could see people making as like their first dance song that like their wedding I think that's a very um that's a type of love song that I really enjoy. One that's just like amps up the emotion, just like the loveness to like 11. I don't care about like, hey, girl, I love you. I don't want that 6 out of 10 emotion. I want 11 out of 10. I want 20 out of 10. <laughs> and this one definitely captures that, but not in like what you'd usually assume for like passion, like screaming at the ed, like at the top of a cliff. It's like, I love you. Uh, well, those definitely do have a place in my heart. This one is just like, He's Kishibashi is such a great lyricist, especially on this album, and doing it in such like a fantastical, like fantasy sort of angle. And I think he does really well at taking that, not only in sort of like a acoustic sort of subtle love song, but doing it in a way that still is dedicated to that sort of lyrical aesthetic, lyrical theme that he's going through throughout this whole album. And I just think that the lyric, um, you are the answer to my question. It's a very simple one, but I think it's like it's super cute. And honestly, I could see couples using it as a caption for their Instagram for today. So yeah. if you're still thinking of um, even though this is going to come out way past Valentine's Day, then just use it can, for next year. You can take yeah. that one. Yeah, save it for next year. Write it down. <laughs> and who says it has to be on Valentine's Day? You can show your love whenever, you know? How You know what? what? But capitalism that's some, that's some facts. You're spitting yeah. some facts, Catherine. Yes. So Tanner, or you can show love never. Uh, <laughs> Either way, you're free so, to do whatever you want whenever. <laughs> yeah, I. It's interesting you um, mentioned Kishibashi because I. It isn't until you said that that I remember that one of my, when I started like p- putting my Spotify playlist together, one of the songs I really like really enjoyed listening to was "I Am the Antichrist." Oh, by by them. That is another like again. Kishibashi has so many songs that could we could talk about. It, it that's a that's a nice, a very wonderful uh, kind of somber piece, uh, like that one. But going for for love songs, uh, when I think of love songs that make an impact on me and that I definitely remember, uh, well, it's just kind of a, a package deal because one of them actually samples the other. Uh, Genesis is I'm in too deep. And uh, Mike Snow's I Feel the Weight. Actually, uh, I haven't heard that one, the Mike Snow one. Yeah. Uh, both of them are ki- both of them have the similar theme of uh, loveless of a loveless relationship where for the for uh, the Genesis version, it's from the perspective. They're both male perspective, but it's the partner who 
has for for uh, Genesis the partner who has lost their love and want to end the relationship, but for M- the Mike Snow version, it's the person who's singing it has lost their love and they don't know what to do, and they don't know how to deal with like the guilt of still being in a relationship where they have no, they don't care about it anymore. Oh, that's and... a really interesting take on like a. Is is it like a cover or is it just like a reimagining? It's or... um. There, I, I, I found the comparison. I, I thought, I, th- I think it's very interesting that they're similar, just because I recognized the sample because I had heard the Mike Snow song before I heard the Genesis song on the radio when my dad was listening to music. I was like, wait, I recognize that, and it was from the Mike Snow song. And then I only today kind of pieced together, like, wait, they have a very similar message, uh, lyrically. So. Those songs are significant to me because they were songs that I listened to a lot while I was in a relationship where I was not happy. Oh. Uh, so I resonated very much with the message from both per- from both of the songs, but more specifically the Mike Snow version, because I was the person who was like, I don't love my partner anymore. I don't know how to tell them that. I don't know how to end this relationship. I don't know what to do here. Uh and I, it's it's my fault. I don't know what's what's wrong. That sort of thing. It's a, uh, it me. I still really like the song, and I do. I like the whole album it's from. Uh, it's a very excellent album. I, I'm a big Mike Snow fan. Uh, yeah. Although my brothers bullied me about it, which would, is fine. Would that make you a snowman? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Is that is that a thing? Right. No. Uh, no, but I, I really enjoy both of those songs. And then the other one that I thought of that's more relevant to me now, uh, <laughs> where I am now, is from Discovery, Something About Us by oh, Daft Punk. That is yeah. such a good song. It's such like a really sad, emotional song when you're in the right mood for it or you're having one of those down times where you're like, man, <laughs> I really am alone in this world. <laughs> oh, it's one of those songs and like the YouTube comments on the video for it all kind of reflect that. It feels like a lot of people who go back to this song feel co- go back to it because it's a comfort to them when they're feeling that sort of way. Uh I really also the song's just really nice sounding. It's a very pretty song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That whenever you go to like a YouTube like a song and like you see in the YouTube comments where it seems like it's an area where like they sort of that sort of place where like not rant, but like display that how it connects personally. I always think that's like you. Maybe YouTube isn't all bad. Yeah, yeah. and then you go onto another song comments. It's like I was born in the wrong generation, and then it's like, oh yeah, YouTube is kind of crap. Or know? like like this if you listen to this in 2019. Yeah, when it's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with those comments? Because like I I've seen like the comments where you're like like this if you were listening to this in like 2009 and I'm just like okay that like it's still a dumb comment but like it makes sense but like is that just like a deconstruction of that one joke I I, I, pre- I don't jokes have become just words it's word soup and I don't understand it joke have been dead like this podcast if you're listening in 2021 <laughs> so yeah give us a like in 2021 y'all yeah thanks uh one i so for me one song i want to talk about that is a bit salacious but i'm not going to talk too much about the salacious parts of it that's a very fun word yes. salacious is the bjork song um cocoon it's off her 2001 album vespertine and uh, 
it is a sexy song. Well, not really. Ooh. I wouldn't call it a sexy song. I'd say it's, in fact, uncomfortably sexy because the singing on this one with Bjork, she, she's like, I think she's like proto, proto, proto ASMR on this song because, like, she is so close to the mic when she's singing and she's, like, so just, like, her syllables, she's, like, so articulate about when she is talking and just, like, that closeness while she's singing about what she's singing about and just, like, a super evocative, but also she she's always known to use, like, nature and natural stuff through her lyrics and just, like, her use of that plus also just, like, more direct stuff and just, like, the music, the production, it's just, like, it's so detail-orientated. There's just, like, so much going on, but, like, it's just, like, so soft it is a one-of-a-kind, like, song that I hear, like, I've, I've never seen an artist really tackle, like, a song about sex, like, Bjork did on that one, or just, like, even, like, a love song, which, I, I mean, I would count that as a love song is sort yeah. of connected, but Vespertine is probably, like, one of, or my favorite album, and that song is definitely one of my favorites on there, and I just think that a song that's just like is about something like that's done to death so many times done in a way that I have seen very few artists be able to replicate with what she did with it. <laughs> but yeah, that was my Bjork rant of the episode. Yep. Be tune in for more remix for, for, to for catch more, more of those. For more Bjork commentary. Yes. We are going to have Bjork hour and that's going to be every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so either of y'all have another one that you all want to shout out. I kind of went through like the main ones that are I've the most important to me that I feel, but in general, uh, in terms of song love songs that I really enjoy, uh, both are, are in those same two categories: either longing, uh, like longing for love that you do not have, yeah. or resenting yourself for not being in love while in a relationship. Those sorts of two songs. I think they're very interesting dynamics to yeah. take a love song in. And uh, de- depending on where I am in life, you know, yeah, that's 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 how you feel. And I think it's important, like you yeah. showed, like when you were talking about that Mike Snow song, that it's important to not just be like, oh, silly love song, oh, I love you, or just like, f you, I'm breaking up with you. I think that's important to um, really cover the spectrum of just like emotional death to like relation things about relationships because yeah. like everyone's relationships aren't just like happy, sad, but yeah, just like artists that are willing to like go more just like off the beaten path with like the way that they tackle the topic i think it's super important for like their listeners or just people who are going through emotions that can't just be captured by like i'm in love smiley face (laughs) and i think another um element that definitely can take a love song to a different sort of echelon is um i want to talk about this song called um i forget the name name of the exact song but it's from the artist um, perfume genius who is a lgbtq artist and i think that's where i want to bring this up i think that especially this song um all waters it's off their album put your back into it the song it is uh, it's about wanting to like express your love for your partner in public like uh, lyrics are all about like i will not like the world will not be good until I get the chance to hold your hand and just like love you just like any would anyone would be able to without judging from the world. I think it's like that song is only like two minutes long, but I it's a song that captures a unique perspective yeah. 
um, and just like captures it so beautifully, so succinctly, which honestly is a lot of Perfume Genius's songs. And not all of them are as romantic as that one. A lot of it is very sad, yeah. very gay, but also very sad, <laughs> especially that album. That is a big, sad album. Um, but yeah, All Waters, I would recommend it to anyone, especially my LGBTQ listeners out there, if you want to listen to a song that really captures that feeling of like longing, even when you're like in a relationship, longing to express that in ways that yeah. the straights can do as well, just equally. And uh, I, I just want to say, listen to Perfume Genius. And um, how about, since all of my songs have been about love and not breakups or anything like that. In in order, in spirit of saying we should be covering um, a diverse array of emotions, Beyonce, Lemonade, I feel like that one is definitely... <laughs> yeah. If you want to yeah. be pissed off on Valentine's Day, then listen to Lemonade, or at least most of it, because I'm going to have a little Lemonade talk. We are doing Lemonade yes. talk right now. Not Lemonade Lord. Mouth... Which is also, if you want to listen to that on Valentine's Day, that's all you're right. Yeah. Determinate is a bop. <laughs> yeah. But everyone always categorizes Lemonade as just like, oh, it's a breakup album. FJZ, like, he, it's always the bad guy when always talking about the album. And, like, well, for the most time, it definitely is fun to see Beyonce on Jay-Z. <laughs> I'm going to make you censor that. <laughs> on Jay-Z. Thank you. <laughs> um, I appreciate it. I feel like what's not mentioned enough is that as the album goes on, she does, Beyonce does go through an emotional journey where she does come to learn that she needs to accept we, the couple needs to progress as a being. One thing that I think that isn't really talk too much about with Lemonade is that it's so much more emotionally complex than I feel like a lot of people give it for it. Even people like really love to praise the album because like with songs like um, All Night and uh, Sandcastles, like, well, Sandcastles is definitely still one that is in the doldrums of the breakup. It's, it shows a lot of emotional vulnerability from Beyonce, which I think is like super rare from Beyonce, who is always like, I am queen. God, yes, Beyonce, yeah. which I love that. That's amazing. We love that. We always need turn up jams like that. I think that Sandcastle is one of the, it is a heartbreaker. I, oh my God, I cannot think of another song from like such a mainstream artist that like is that emotionally potent as that song. But that as well as songs like All Night, which are talking about forgiveness and the repairing of that relationship. It really rounds up the entire narrative of the album as one that is about like the eventual forgiveness and just like the building of a relationship. It isn't just all about, it isn't just F Jay Z the album. And I think that sort of emotional complexity that Lemonade gives is the reason why it is not only one of the best albums of the 2010s. Don't at me for anyone who dares to go after Beyonce on the internet. Why would they do that? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's political suicide to do yeah. that. Exactly. Moral suicide as well. How yeah. dare you? <laughs> But I think it's also a reason why it is one of the best sort of concept albums of this variety of the breakup album. Yeah. I think, very, at least in the modern age, very few have come up to it in its ranks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my relationship with Lemonade is that 
my roommate last year. Oh yeah, uh, you did tell me about this. <laughs> his his alarm was formation. His his the song he woke up to was formation, and he never woke up to his alarm, and he always had it set at seven a.m. He never got information. So, so every like there were so many mornings where that song would loop like three times, and he was just there, unable to wake up. And it's like, all right, ladies, now let's get in formation. Like, and I'm I'm stuck in bed. Like, I can't, Beyonce. I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to get, I can't, I don't need to get into formation until 9 a.m. Beyonce, please. I, I don't have to wake up until 10. Please. I don't want to be up now. Oh. I do not remember that you did tell me this story, but I'm so glad you told it again because I love it every time I hear it. It's, that's my relationship with Lemonade. I'm yeah. sure the rest of the album's wonderful. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Though I will make sure not to listen to Formation around you again, just in case I don't want to give you PTSD. I'll, I'll be fine. I actually yeah. like that song. Oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> I actually like it quite Are a bit. Are you sure it's not just Stockholm Syndrome? It's probably <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. It's just a little bit. It's a good song, but a also little a little bit of that Stockholm. <laughs> a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome as a treat. And on that note, I think that is a good time where we can wrap things up. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Remix. This has been your host, Jack Gillespie, with my wonderful guests. Catherine Simone. And Tanner Kinney. All right, anyway, thank you all so much for listening. You can check out more work from us at Byte, whether it be more podcasts, features, reviews, news, other things I'm not mentioning, videos at ByteBSU.com. And also make sure to give us a follow on our social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ByteBSU, B-Y-T-E-B-S-U, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel named ByteBSU as well. Same spelling, though there's a space, but you'll find it. <laughs> um, Remix is a part of Byte, which is led by Editor-in-Chief Jeremy Rogers, Senior Podcast Elder Kellen Harrison, and is we are a part of Ball State Student Media. Have a great day, everybody, and make sure to check out for future episodes of Remix and other podcasts that we at Byte are creating and bringing to y'all. But for right now, we're signing off. Bye, everybody.